on this episode of Three Row Sports Podcast, the podcast of three college students who can just talk about sports forever, and also brought to you by Anchor FM, the easiest way to make a podcast. We're going over. The NBA is now back, baby. The owners have now approved a new format to play the rest of the season, the final eight games, all the way out in the beautiful Orlando, Florida. We got 22 teams going out there. We're going to give our takes on it. The MLB has now come out with a 50-game proposal to finish the 2020 season, or should I say to even start it. We're going to give our thoughts on that one as well. Also, Brady Trantham from the franchise Oklahoma. He's coming on to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, his thoughts on their chances while playing out in Orlando, and much more. But first... Hello, this is Aaron Fentress with The Athletic. I cover the Seahawks and the Ducks, and you are listening to 3 Pro Sports. But first... Shut up and sit down. And welcome back to another 3 Bro Sports Podcast, the podcast of only two college students today who could just talk about sports forever. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. Sadly, uh, Mr. Insert Random Name here from a random name generator on the line was unable to join us, or aka better known as Brett. Uh, he'll be with us next week. I mean, work is important. Making money is important, especially as college students. Money is basically everything for us right now. It, it's a big currency. So Brett will be with us. Uh, or if you just want to hear his uh, soothing voice, just check out our older podcasts. Any of them, really. Brett's been in all of them. This is the first one he's missed, sadly. His perfect attendance is down. But regardless, <laughs> this has been... No gold star for Brett. <laughs> no gold star. I'm taking that golden noodle away from you. But this past week has been a whirlwind of events throughout this nation. And now I know as college students, we may not be the most articulate of what is the of how to go about it. But this has really shown the true cracks of this country. And... I'm I'm really hoping this is the time where change will begin. I, I want to remain optimistic of this is where we can learn from our mistakes that we've tried to hide under the rug and look on to a brighter future. And I, I think that's honestly the best way to say it. I My thoughts and prayers will always go out to the Floyd family for their loss. I mean, it's just awful to, to have seen that video in the first place. And now all the whirlwinds of people coming out and everybody's opinion being so controversial uh, it, it's just awful I'd, I'd like to give just a moment of silence um, to George Floyd and his family thank you so I, I wanted to at least get that out the way just because of how uh, meaningful that is I know this is always a primarily sports podcast. I I just had to at least uh, say something about it. A moment of silence. Um, but look, th- today has been a big day in the NBA realm because basketball is back, baby. It is back. Now, on July 31st, the NBA will start an eight-game season. So here's how it'll go. So. Let's. I'm going to use the Phoenix Suns as an example because they're four games behind the eight seed. If Phoenix loses just one game and Memphis wins, and now Phoenix is five games out of that eight seed, they're gone. Any team that falls below four games back of the eight seed is eliminated. 
which I love that idea. Now it's kind of like a, then it's a play in after that to where the seating goes in the end. Now I love that idea as it makes it more competitive and also in a brand new environment that players have never been in before. And now they can always say, well, yeah, they've always worked out in the empty gyms that are quiet, but at the same time, there's nothing on the line when you're playing in those games. There's no fans backing you up. Some teams have the massive home court advantage and they just aren't getting it anymore. It's basically playing in just an empty, empty. uh, it's on an empty court. Uh, You got a couple broadcasters, you got the camera crew, but it's a different feeling. Now, Calvin, what are your thoughts on the season finally starting up again? I mean, I'm obviously happy about it. We're finally getting sports in general back. But, of course, basketball is definitely one of my favorite sports, so I'm always going to be happy about it. I'm genuinely excited to see how this is going to go without fans being present because the only other instance I can remember of this kind of thing happening was at an Orioles game a few years ago back yep. when Baltimore had all its problems. Back and fun, fun fact, I was actually on my own birthday, April 29th, 2015. Fun oh, fact. really? <laughs> yeah. And also another fun fact. On April 29th, 2013, was the day that the Sacramento Kings were not moving to Seattle, where the NBA blocked that vote to go to Seattle. So it was at least one good thing, uh, historically, uh, on my birthday, of my own hometown Kings making it into the playoffs. But but yeah, go on. Uh, maybe one day we'll have NBA in, back in Seattle. <laughs> at least here's <laughs> hoping. Hopefully. But that's a topic for another day. No, no, no. We, we can quickly do that because I think there needs to be two more expansion teams in the NBA to make it 32. And Seattle has to be a shoo-in for it. But now the, the second team is kind of a question mark. Do you do another Florida team? Fort Lauderdale? Maybe Jacksonville? Uh, there's, a, there's a few Ew. teams out there. That it's like, you know, you could put a team out there, just have one professional sports team. Jacksonville put two. I don't know. Wouldn't because teams are becoming too competitive. Of there's at least two to three all stars on really good teams, and now I'd like to balance it out more. Give more college players a chance to really thrive. It creates more jobs, more growth revenue for the NBA. I mean, what is wrong with it? Yeah, I mean, if they do it, I'm an advocate for Baltimore. If you have yeah, a team in the of course, because that's honestly a big thing living in. Maryland my whole life the Wizards have very rarely been a big thing so to me honestly for good reason they've never really been that big of a thing other than (laughs) the years with Michael Jordan and some good years with John Wall yeah one year Michael Jordan out so I don't see why having a decent basketball team in Baltimore anywhere else really around would actually be a bad thing heck I mean put a team in Pittsburgh they do so well with everything else they always have a tradition, and you know the fan base would always be loyal. But They would. I mean, move, moving back on to the NBA uh, reopening, just because I needed to bring up the expansion part. I always talk about the, off the air. The vote was 29 to 1, and the only team that said no to this was Portland, which is almost mind-boggling to me because the Trailblazers and Damian Lillard said, if there's no way for the Blazers to make the playoffs, I'm not playing. Damian Lillard does not want to play. Well, now, there is a chance for you to make playoffs, and you're saying, nah, I don't like that idea because of a couple formats about how the offseason will go, and they said that there's better offers on the table, but, dude, it's kind of, you got to be quiet, just say yes and go with it. It just seems 
silly for you to be the odd man out about it. But so here are the teams that will be making it in now representing for the Eastern conference. Now these are the teams that haven't made playoffs and it's just going to be the wizards. Now for the West, it's going to be Portland, Sacramento, Phoenix, San Antonio, and new Orleans. And now for me as a Kings fan, I'm excited. I love that the Kings actually have a chance. Now you have to play your eight games. Let's see how it will go. I don't know who the Kings would play throughout it, but I I like the idea because the Kings were finishing off on a hot streak. They finally figured out what they were doing and they stopped playing like they were incompetent of of knowing how to shoot a basketball and knowing how to guard a player and knowing what a three-point line was and that it's actually important to go guard. So I'm excited that I get I get to watch my team now, Calvin. I know the Bulls didn't make it. It's a rough subject for you. You were off by two and a half games. I'm sorry, Brett's Timberwolves didn't make it either, but by about a mile. <laughs> by uh, <laughs> uh, let's just say more than just a couple miles. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm loving that we get we get to just watch professional sports come back. Uh, teams are in it, and teams have a higher chance of getting in because you don't know what the momentum is. Is there any team you're kind of looking at as maybe a sleeper for it all? Uh, right now, I do really like Oklahoma City. Oh, that's football. interesting because we do have a special guest coming on with Brady Trantham from uh, the franchise. Okay, he's coming on. So, oh, is is that a little biased or? No, it's not. I mean, earlier in the season, like before the season started, I was telling people beforehand, like, look, Oklahoma City is probably going to be the biggest sleeper in the league this year. I think they were going to be amazing. And honestly, they kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit with them being at the fifth seed right now at 40 and 24, but I'm still happy for them. And I like them a lot. I do also think Dallas could be a bit of a sleeper. Great. Honestly, I think they might be the lowest ranked team in terms of talent I've ever seen. They're seventh, but all the talent on that team is incredible to me. That's why honestly I could see the number seven Dallas Mavericks, should it stay this way, them being able to beat out the number two Clippers, Grant would probably go to seven. It would still be hard, but I really like this Mavericks team. Out of the East, I mean, it's not a whole lot. Maybe Miami, but that's not as much of a sleeper team. I don't see um, Orlando, even though they're literally the only team with any sort of home court advantage at this point. I don't see them making a huge run. Or Brooklyn, even if Kyrie does play. Philadelphia might be able to make some noise, but I doubt it's no, going to amount to much. No, no, I'm sorry. They're I, not that bad, man. I, I don't think the duo of Embiid and Simmons is as great as a lot of people actually want to think it is. Like, when you really want to dive down into it, I they're better off with one or another, and you pick which one, and then you build around it. It just seems tough to try to build with both of them. Because when they tried to add Jimmy Butler into the mix, it could have possibly worked out a little better. It just it never came to fruition. So I, I, I'm i saying non-Philly. I, I don't see Philly riding much momentum. And I know we are based in an area of a lot of 76ers fans, so I may get some flack for that, but... Oh, you will. You know, well, oh, I know I will. <laughs> but you know what? I've been get, I've received flack for saying Tom Brady's a system quarterback, and I will never back down from that statement. And my statement is saying Ryan Tannehill was going to play better than Brady when he was just a backup. So I stick to my guns. I don't flip-flop around as some people wanted to say I did. And I'm trying to prove you wrong on that, all those Billies and Timmies out there that are the evil ones. <laughs> but uh, moving around. talk about Jimmy Butler. Literally every place he's played at, everyone said, 
Oh, well, that could have gone better. Like, every single team he's played for, except for Miami at this point, but... Yeah, well, Miami's the right culture for him. <laughs> out of all the teams out there, it's definitely the right culture. Now, speaking well, of, the NBA's now reopened, and now what is the MLB doing after I completely thrashed them in our last podcast? I guess Rob Manfred must have heard what I had to say about him, because now there's talks about the MLB going on with a 50-game season, and I have a problem with that. I don't think 50 games is enough for a season. I mean, let's look last year. The uh, Seattle Mariners started off the year 13-3, and three, and they ended up to only win 50 games. I don't feel as if 50 games is truly enough. It, baseball is a different game. In my opinion, a perfect season is 120 games to where you have one day off per series. So you're not having to go out there and play your 15, 16 games in a row. Players are getting fatigued so much that it leads to more injuries. You're playing less home games, so that means more fans will be in attendance in total because they don't want to miss out on those games. Increases revenue for teams. Players have uh, more fans around them. That creates a better home field advantage. I think that's a win-win. I really do. And you knock off 20 games, I don't think that's going to kill you in the end. But is 50 games enough to you, Calvin? I just don't see it. I don't think 50 games is enough. I also think 120, I mean, it's a little bit more reasonable than 162, but I'm more of like a between 80 and 110 kind of guy, maybe even more of 100. But 50, even, I mean, even if we were talking about just basketball or hockey, I think this would be a little bit low. So I'm not really for a 50-game season, per se. It's, at, at this point, I'm just kind of thinking, like, why even bother at that point if it's literally just a, almost a third of yeah. what the original thing is? Yeah, no, I, I agree with it. And also, it, it's based... The MLB has just been too greedy from top to bottom. Not, not, no, just from the top, not even to the bottom. It's been ownership running everything. Rob Manfred just takes a back seat and says, oh, do whatever you want. It's basically like Jerry Jones with the NFL. Of you, you, On the footballs, it says Roger Goodell is the commissioner, but you know deep down Jerry Jones basically is telling him what to do. And the one time Roger Goodell tried to step out of line and suspend Ezekiel Elliott for six games, oh, Jerry Boy was not having that one. Any way, shape, or form. It's Jerry's league, basically. But owners have just been so money-hungry. The players came out and said, look, we'll make a compromise. You do 30% off of what our contracts are supposed to be. The owners turn around and say, nope, 60% or we're not even going to play. And now the 50-game season just seems as if owners are somewhat willing to step up a little bit. But the problem is they won't do a counter. It's 50 games or nothing. Honestly, (sighs) why play? I don't think this 50 games is worth it. I don't think money-wise you're going to make enough on it. I know that teams are going to have to play, pay their players, but this whole pay thing, it, it bugs me. I honestly have so many problems with it. At this point, I don't know how much people have really thought about it, but let's say they do decide to go this 50-game route, and it comes back. All right, well, now it's not like all of a sudden that you're the only sport playing as what people thought was going to happen basketball's coming back and we already know basketball was more popular than baseball to begin with so you got to compete with them too i don't understand how a 50 game schedule would be, really be able to compete with the nba especially nba playoffs nonetheless it's not it's it, it, yeah, it's a simple it, answer it will not and now this is my big thing about with this argument of 
players don't deserve all that money. Well, let's just throw it like this. Uh, let's just use a CEO, for instance. They start off with nothing. I, I can use Jeff Bezos of just selling a couple books out of his garage in Seattle. CEOs start off with their basic nine-to-fives. They take their internships where they don't get paid anything. They start working their way up from the bottom. And then once they become successful, they don't want to fork out $25 million because something else happened that doesn't affect them personally. And now they're having to give up like a big chunk of their net worth. Now, maybe not just 25, maybe even more. And I always think for the players, you start off with a small signing bonus and your salary is almost nothing. It's about 30, maybe 40,000, but you're traveling all the time. You're having to get condos with five to six teammates. The physical toll you take on your body, you work your way up in hopes of getting that money. And once you finally reached it, you're now being told if I made $1 million, if that was what my contract says I'm going to make, you're only going to pay me 400000 Now, look, yes, you can always say, well, 400000 be grateful for it. Yeah, but they didn't sign for that. That's not what the contract says. There's no loophole in a contract to say, well, pan- if a pandemic hits, because nobody except Wimbledon was smart enough to think about it and actually get pandemic insurance. That wasn't a clause There's no doomsday issue where in that contract, it says if there was something like this to cut off the season, that you only will get 40% of it. You got to pay up to what the contract says. And these owners are billionaires. They have the funds. They just don't want to use them. I guarantee you every league now, like after this is all said and done, they're going to be getting pandemic insurance. Oh, watch the insurance companies. They're they're raising that (laughs) rate way higher than what we first thought it could be. They're they're making sure they get their money out of that. I think Wimbledon, they're only paying like $2 million a year uh, for their insurance. (laughs) Yeah, that rate's going to go way up. (laughs) (laughs) Making about $45 million now. But who knows with the possible chance of a second wave. I mean, it's it's awful to really think about it, especially with the sports world. And we hope it comes back. I'm missing baseball. Right now, I should be sitting on the couch at 10 p.m. watching my Los Angeles Angels play. I really should, but now I have to talk about why they're cutting off their entire farm system. Well, I talked about it last podcast. I don't need to get into it now, but the MLB needs to understand that this is baseball is America's pastime, and they have put a complete wine stain on a beautiful white shirt that's never been touched before. And that stain's not coming out. It's permanent. We're going to be looking back at how incompetent the MLB has been. And it's going to be a true testimony of, can they change? I mean, do you think after this season, it's time for a change in the commissioner? Or owners to finally say, you know what? Screw it. I'm not passionate. Let me sell the team to somebody who actually cares. I honestly, I have started thinking a couple of years ago it was time for something else at the very least like a few owners need to change and probably even rob manfred gone but now i'm just looking at it, i'm like there's only about five owners that are even like concerned at all about the product they have on the field they just want the money and let me just say with rob manfred you know that you have to be a bad commissioner if roger goodell is looked at as a saint <laughs> no, in like, comparison. <laughs> like Goodell is not good. We all know that. But Rob Manfred has literally just destroyed the entire sport. And I I hate that because I do love baseball. It's always been one of my favorite sports. And to see it go like this, let alone with the 
me being an Orioles fan, how bad the team's been for the last few years, but now seeing the entire sport go, it hurts. It truly does, especially for all the fans of any sort of baseball team, no matter how successful or not. I don't think you'd find anyone who's happy about the way it's been going. I don't see why that's not worthy of enforcing some sort of change here. Sooner or later, the money is just going to start dropping and dropping and dropping until there's nothing left. That's, You're right. Like, I mean, there's no it keeps way going. We... It keeps going. MLB might be gone. And we might have something else. I'm telling you, I, I want Jim Mc, or Vince McMahon to make the XBL, but who knows what will happen there. Yeah, having an XFL version of the MLB. Maybe there's a chance, maybe not. Who knows? Who cares? But look, we've already trashed the MLB enough. This is an this is an NBA focused podcast because there's actually good news coming around that the NBA Adam Silver will be one of the best commissioners out there that they know what they're actually doing. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, Brady Trantham from the franchise Oklahoma. He's coming on to talk about the OKC Thunder and his thoughts on the season opening up again, how the Thunder's gonna be doing. You guys wanna stay tuned for this. And we are back. Don't you fear the three bros are always still here. We got a special guest today. We got Brady Trantham, the Thunder Insider for the franchise Oklahoma, one of the big uh, news sources for all things Oklahoma out there. Mr. Trantham, how are you doing today? Doing well. It's uh, it's a good day. The NBA is officially back, so uh, that's good for me professionally. It's also just good from a, you know, I'm a fan of basketball too, so it's just a uh, it's fun that we have some nice things to look forward to considering how the last few months have been so hectic for everybody. I know. And we were just talking a little earlier. I'm a Sacramento Kings fan. So it feels weird to actually say that the Kings have a chance to make it in with this eight game, uh, buy the, the play in basically, which I think is an amazing idea. It's weird that Portland was the only team that said, no, I, I don't get it. The NBA is just weird in general, but you know what? That's the great thing about it, about this season in general, because we're all talking about how nobody it, – it's not a, a buy-in or there's not the Warriors that everybody's saying, oh, yeah, they're going to win it because that it, team was dismantled. It's a complete free-for-all of who could actually win this year. Yeah, I mean, I'd even say that let, – let's say in some weird scenario, Kevin Durant's still on the Warriors, Kevin Durant's healthy, and they're like the most – they're still the, the most unbeatable team to ever grace a basketball floor. I would say even if they came back, they would be the favorite. I would pick them to win. But I still wouldn't be surprised if that team lost because I have no idea what to expect. I don't know how much stock we can put into, like, for instance, you know, since I cover the Thunder, um, I don't know how much stock I can put into the Thunder success over the Jazz in the regular season. I don't know if that's going to carry over three months later after they haven't played basketball together. I don't know how much stock I should put into the Clippers' success over the Thunder in the regular season going into the Orlando scenario now because it's just – this is so unprecedented that basically anybody can win, but – I mean, you can still make educated guesses that, you know, at the end of the day, this is basketball. Talent is going to win out more times than not. And there are three teams, possibly four teams, that clearly have the most talent out of everybody else of these 22 teams that are going to be involved in Orlando. So, um, yeah, from that standpoint, we, we still know who's probably going to win. But at the same time, chaos could potentially ensue. And that's great for the casual fan out there that's just tuning in to watch. I think this is really going to impact what we actually – I guess, see or whatnot, but the way that we've always looked at sports in general is when you get come to the playoffs or just before the playoffs, everyone talks about what's better, 
being rested and ready for the playoffs or just keeping it going, keeping that hot streak going. I feel like this time, now that teams have had months to rest, it's we're kind of going to have an answer to that. Because, I mean, if we still have teams like Milwaukee and L.A. dominating, okay, yeah, rest probably is the best thing. But, you know, if a team like Brooklyn or Orlando, Houston, whichever, all of a sudden they make a run at it, people are going to be looking at it and say, wow, like, okay, maybe the whole rest thing isn't necessarily the best thing. Maybe it's just the guys who not only want it more, but stay with it. Yeah, I mean, I've always tried to take, like, a pragmatic view on the whole, like, is load management silly? Is it necessary? Or, like, what what is better, to get on a hot streak going into the postseason or to have your seed locked up early on so that you can kind of coast and rest? Um, I mean, you can look at it both ways. I think that it's it's best to take the regular season seriously, to win all the games that you're supposed to win, of course, Uh, control your home floor, be a little bit above 500 on the road, Everything will pretty much take care of itself from that point on. But at the same time, these guys are human beings and their bodies are, you know, they're going 100 miles an hour every single night. And even on nights where they're not playing, they're practicing 100 miles an hour. So at some point, you know, fatigue does set in. So like, I, I'm not one of those people that's like screaming that Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James sits out some random Tuesday night on the road in Detroit. You know, it's like that does suck for the fans in Detroit that bought that ticket so they can go see LeBron James. But at the same time, LeBron is thinking about the postseason. So, yeah, like I'm all for like some rest here and there. I'm all for like playing every single game 100% of the way and trying to get into the postseason on a hot streak, like you guys said. Uh, but also, I don't know how much of that is still going to apply to having, what, two and a half, three months of no team basketball participation, uh, going into another training camp, and then – quarantining for two weeks in Florida with nothing to do and then going right back into eight regular season games where, yeah, like a lot of these teams are currently seeded into the playoffs and have their playoff spot locked in, locked and loaded. Uh, but you still have to take these games seriously because seeding does matter to some players and to some teams, even though they don't have home court to really fight for at this point. Um, it's just going to be hard. It's a tough ask to just basically tell these players or ask these players all right, you haven't played for four months. Now go take things seriously and go 100 miles an hour again. No, you are right. And now it, it is always tough with the two, three-month rest. And now when they go to Disney, at least they get the amazing golf courses. They get their Mickey Mouse pancakes in the morning. So maybe they can't complain too much about the luxuriousness of it. But kind of moving things over onto the Thunder. Now, this break has been pretty crucial because I think for a lot of fans – uh, for myself personally, I didn't see the Thunder being as successful as they were going to be this year. I thought maybe they'd be competitive throughout the year, and then you see Steven Adams, Chris Paul being moved, but everything really clicked for them. And now with this two-and-a-half, three-month break from basketball, it's going to be more than that once the season starts July 31st. What are you feeling about the Thunder? Did this break help them more throughout it, or did it hurt them throughout what do you think this is, how this is going to translate to when they do finally play? Yeah, well, I think from a injury fatigue standpoint, the Thunder were, they were fine. They had one player that was pretty pivotal to their success, the rookie Darius Baisley, who had uh, injured his knee about three or four weeks prior to the season being put on hiatus. And the Thunder kind of won the same clip. They didn't really miss him that much on the scoreboard, but you could tell the defensive numbers were starting to slip. He's a, uh, on the roster, he is Danilo Gallinari's backup. And so when you're replacing Darius Baisley, who's a 
high IQ basketball player and pretty savvy for a 19 year old rookie in his own right. When you're replacing him with Hamadou Diallo or Abdul Nader, the defensive numbers are going to slip and sometimes they kind of bit the thunder in the ass, but um, he will be healthy. So the thunder are going to be fine from a fatigue and injury and arrest standpoint. Um, does it affect this roster? I mean, that's a good question because it's a good balance of you've got some old guys. You've got Chris Paul who just turned 35 a few weeks ago. You've got Danil Gallinari who's up there in age, and he was a player that the Thunder were actively load managing. Uh, I kind of caught it. Um, it became a pattern, of course, after the third time. They were actively resting him on the second night of back-to-backs. And, of course, the Thunder were like, no, we're not a load management team. We don't do that. But they were actively sitting him on the second night of back-to-backs. And understandably so. The Thunder had a good record on those second night of back-to-backs without him anyway, so didn't hurt him that much. And then, of course, they've got the balance of having a lot of young legs, like Darius Baisley that I mentioned, uh, Lou Dort, who's a two-way player who's really come on and started a lot of games for the Thunder over the last few weeks of the season before it got put on hiatus, playing at a high level for them. They're certainly excited about his potential and of course, everybody understands Shea Gillis Alexander. So you can look at it as, yeah, the old guys needed some rest. The young guys don't really, it doesn't matter because they're just young legs and they'll be fine either way. Um, but like I said earlier, what's really going to matter once there are all these teams come back? Is it just the sheer talent of some teams that they have over other teams? Like, you know, Houston's kind of in the middle of the Western Conference in terms of playoff seating, but I don't think anyone's going to deny that they probably have more talent than the Thunder, than the Jazz especially with their injury to uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, he's not going to be participating this uh, the rest of this go. Um, what's going to matter? Talent? If that's the case, the Thunder are going to have some success. They're not going to have the most success. But if leadership and chemistry play a gigantic role in all this kind of tumultuous time, unprecedented, all, that to, uh, all that's been said, then the Thunder are going to be right up there in terms of teams that you could be optimistic for because Chris Paul is a leader, Billy Donovan is a leader, and this team's chemistry – I've got to say in the three years that I've covered it, um, those teams, those players loved Russell Westbrook, but it was certainly a different type of chemistry than the one that this team has. And it's pretty special. Uh, uh, you know, just put simply, it's pretty special. I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder's leadership really carries over into Orlando once the NBA starts back up. Yeah. And now I, I feel <laughs> as if like the biggest thing for the Thunder is about momentum. Because I, I felt the Thunder season, they had the momentum the entire year of a roster that it didn't, like on paper, it didn't look like when you have three point, point guards who are ball dominant with Chris Paul, Shea Gildress, and then Dennis Schroeder, it was like, how are you going to make that work? And they did it seamlessly, basically. Does this long period, does it give teams a better advantage to scout on a team like the Thunder going into the postseason? Or does it now add a new layer for the Thunder and Chris Paul? Because... I don't think Chris Paul is going to be affected. You could put Chris Paul on the moon and you put a basketball court on there and he's going to play the same way as he is with 30,000 fans watching him. Yeah, I don't feel like he's going to be affected by any means, but with young players like, say, Gilgis, with no fans out there, how much different is that really going to be for the Thunder? I mean, that's what we're all going to learn because it kind of goes back into, well, if, if talent, if just outright talent is going to win out all these games, well, the Thunder... They're going to have some success, but they're not the most talented roster in the league. But they do play, to your point, they do play well with each other. They've got three uh, ball-dominant point guards in theory. You're correct. Although Chris Paul's usage hasn't been as high as it, it, as it was with the Houston Rockets because the Houston Rockets system kind of demands that they have a high usage rate if they are ball-dominant, which Chris Paul is as a ball handler and as a facilitator of the offense. Uh, the Thunder's numbers, they're the highest when all three of those guys are on the floor. 
And some of it kind of goes into the fact that these guys are all very coachable. And I think that's probably the, the biggest revelation is like, oh, I didn't know Dennis Schroeder was a coachable team team basketball player because of kind of the stigma that he had back into his Atlanta Hawks days. Um, he was a really good piece off the bench for the Russell Westbrook, Paul George team, of course. But that was kind of like my turn, your turn still. It wasn't a lot of like team cohesion. This year, he's completely flipped the script on his uh, reputation as a player because he's been willing to uh, make a little bit more of a sacrifice. But at the same time, he's right up there with the Sixth Man of the Year award. And if the NBA is still going to do, you know, awards, like I don't even know if they've even mentioned that they're still going to do like an award show. That sounds kind of silly at this point. But Dennis Schroeder, if the season just basically ended, I would probably say he was the sixth man of the year. A lot of it has to go with the fact that the final game the Thunder played was on the road against the Boston Celtics without Shea Gilles Alexander. He was uh, hurt with uh, he was out with knee soreness that night. Dennis Schroeder makes the game winning steal and layup in the final seconds on the road against Boston. So um, he's been making plays like that all year. Shea Gilgis Alexander is young. He's a sponge of a basketball mind. He is really taken on with Chris Paul. And Dennis Schroeder, he, he's rubbing off on their competitiveness, on their basketball IQ, no question. And he's a guy who doesn't really need the ball. And the, and the Thunder kind of see that. And they're using this opportunity with Chris Paul on the team, whether it's just this season or if it's going into next season as well, if they're not able to trade him. Um, they're using these opportunities to really develop that part of Shea Gillis-Alexander's game. So when that time comes where he is the lone point guard or one or the, the best point guard on the team after Chris Paul leaves – that he will have a well-diverse, well-versatile uh, version of his game moving forward. So when all three guys are on the floor, the Thunder are better. Long, <laughs> long answer or short answer. When they're all when they're all out there on the, on the floor at the same time, they're a much better team. And I would probably safely assume that that'll be the case in Orlando still. So with all three of them on the court, now we'll also talk about even more in the future after – 2020 and 2021 where do you see the future for chris paul being is he gonna you see him being in okc for the long haul or perhaps going somewhere else for with a trade or whichever maybe one of these other guys taking over yeah especially with his contract too i mean it's tough yeah shay gill just becomes the the lead guy and you're paying chris paul almost 40 million dollars to be a six man or that's a pretty expensive mentor yeah. like i know dirk nowitzki's mentors um a basketball coach in germany that basically you beat a basketball to the sound of a of a song i don't think i'd pay him 40 million dollars <laughs> to teach me a fadeaway oh yeah well at the same time the thunder's financial situation especially a few years down the road even if they are still you know i wouldn't even i would probably even say that if the thunder two years from now still have chris paul they're not going to view it as we are trapped with this contract because they love chris paul chris paul has really taken on this opportunity to really flip the script of himself as a player, of himself as a leader. Because, yeah, sure, I'm sure Chris Paul, when he's like writing down or thinking about his future when he's with Houston, he understands that it's probably coming to an end. Oklahoma City is not on his radar because Oklahoma City is not in the direction or going in the direction that he probably wants to be with the few limited years that he has left as an NBA basketball player playing at a high level. But at the same time, he's an absolute professional takes his job absolutely seriously and he's a gigantic competitor. So he goes to Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's not ideal, but he's like, I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make the best of this situation as possible. And if that means me being a mentor to Shea Gillis Alexander and to all these young guys, if that makes us better, that's great. Cause the bottom line, I just want to win. That's what he's all about. That's what I've kind of learned about him this season. Cause I like everybody else just kind of assumed he's gonna get traded at some point. Danilo Gallinari is going to get traded and the Thunder are going to tank, right? 
because Chris Paul's contract is kind of an albatross because the Thunder want to kind of look to the future. But at the same time, I forgot that Chris Paul was such a professional. I forgot that the Thunder really put a lot of value in winning, even in the short term. They want to be viewed as a winning franchise like the Spurs. Even when the Spurs don't make the playoffs, they're still a tough out, and they're a team that you never want to take lightly um, if you're a fan of another team in the NBA, for, for sure. Um, so all that being said, what's Chris Paul's future? I think there's something to be said that, you know, 22 teams are going to be in the same city at the same time for a few months. And the Thunder are going to be in the playoffs. That means a lot of those front office eyes are going to be fixed on Chris Paul. So while everybody kind of understands that Chris Paul is still a player that moves the needle in the NBA, he's still a player that can really help your team and help put you over the top if you're just one guy short, even though his contract is gigantic, yes, I think a lot of front office people that are otherwise not in love with him right now, when they are locked in the same building with him for the next two months, I think – I think you might see a little bit more optimism on Chris Paul's future as a trade asset. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder are able to move him. I've always kind of pointed to draft night as the uh, the earliest time that the Thunder could probably trade Chris Paul. And they're only going to trade him if they get a young guy, another first-round pick, and then maybe just another throw-in name that's just a contract guy at the end of the day. Uh, as long as they get those young draft capital assets, the young player assets, they will trade him. Um, I think that that can be increased with everybody being in Orlando at the same time watching Chris Paul do, work his magic. Um, I think we've all we've all heard about the Knicks and their obvious connection with Leon Rose, his former agent. Um, I don't know if the Thunder really want to do him that dirty. I don't know if they want. <laughs> you don't want to give him that punishment, no. Yeah, unless unless Chris treat him with respect. Unless Chris Paul just was like, hey, I want to. Like what I did with the Thunder, I, like everybody thought they were going to be an awful team, a lottery team, tanking team. But they're not the Knicks. <laughs> they're not the Knicks. That's true. I don't know if he wants to play with Jim Dolan, especially after what's been going on this past week and all that foolishness uh, with him not wanting to talk about George Floyd. But uh, yeah. and also him probably slipping him a couple albums from his band that nobody listens to. But he, he'll pay, he'll pay to be the opener for the Eagles at Madison Square Garden. Just because he wants to. That's disgusting. That is, that is weird. Mm-hmm. But no, I, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still with the Thunder next season, but that doesn't mean that he's going to finish next season. I, I think his trade value has increased steadily over the weeks, over the months that he has performed with the Thunder. And I think it's pretty much inevitable that he will be traded. It's just a mutual thing that both parties want and both parties need. Um, the Thunder are going to wait for the perfect trade, of course. Um, but I think it's going to happen draft night into maybe the deadline next season at the latest, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul is the biggest. You love him when he's on your team, but when you got to face him, you absolutely hate it because he's such a smart player. It reminds me of a Rajon Rondo back in his real prime of – I mean, you've even seen the if Chris Paul finds somebody with his jersey untucked, he's going to call that. He'll call the five-second violations because he's counting in his head at the same time. Like He's – He's a, a field general, basically. He's basically playing quarterback out there, and he can actually shoot the ball. Uh, he he almost ended up killing the Warriors dynasty until <laughs> he until the groin injury. Yeah. So close to creating peace in the world, but it's okay. And I mean, yeah, like you said, Chris Paul's contract has basically gone from oh my god, the Thunder are crazy to take that on to maybe a team will take him on and, and give up two to three first rounders, especially with his value. And now, Mr. Trantham, before I let you go, thank you so much for coming on. Now, with this playoff format going on July 31st, with the buy-in or with the play-in tournament, 
what are your thoughts on the pl- on the Thunder's playoff chances? I know they, they will be making it. They're shooing for it. But when it comes playoff time, without their home court advantage, now I know we've said about, well, no matter what, as long as they stay together, they're still good. But with no fans whatsoever, teams are rested in these matchups. What are your thoughts on the Thunder's playoff likeliness to maybe make the Western Conference Finals? I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's really it's really difficult because I had an opinion when the season was going on, and that opinion was if they get the Rockets, I will pick the Thunder because you know, <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know the Rockets were kind of getting on a hot streak. I think right before the season put, got put on a hiatus, they hit a brick wall because teams had enough film on the fact that they're not playing with the center anymore. Kind of took the league by surprise a little bit for a few weeks, and that died down when they had enough film on it. Um, I, I just thought from a team standpoint, yeah, if they get the Rockets, I'd pick the Thunder. If they got the Jazz in the 4-5 spot, whether it was Thunder home court or Jazz home court, it's a toss-up, but because of the team cohesion is a little bit better with Oklahoma City, I'd probably pick the Jazz. Um, Anybody else above Utah, uh, I would, of course, pick that team over Oklahoma City. Having said that, going into Orlando, I I really don't know. I I, I wish I can give you an answer. We're going to all find out at the same time when these games start, and we see what teams – you know, weren't as negatively affected by so much time off as compared to other teams. Like, for all we know, the Bucks could be super negatively affected by all this time off, even though they have the best record in the NBA. They're, they're going to be the number one overall seed. They could be negatively affected just because this is just not fair for anybody. This isn't going to be fair for anyone. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, these teams that have worked so hard in the regular season to win a ton of games so that they can have home court, doesn't matter anymore. So it's, it's just unfortunate for everybody. But for the Thunder, the other thing that I kind of worry about, and I don't even know if we can put that much stock in it anyway, like I've been saying, but during the season, they were much better when they were just boom, boom, boom playing. They'd play a game, have a day off, and then play again. They would they, they easily caught momentum. Whether and that kind of transcends transcends the fact that they won or lost, because you can play games, lose them, but still play well, and at the end of the day, it's like how hey, they just made better plays. But when the Thunder had some time off to think about things and to rest, they would lose some questionable games. They would have some very terrible performances to start off games. Or they would win against, like, the Cavs or the Pistons but have to barely scratch by them. So, um, of course, that was in the season. Everybody's going to have three months off. I don't know if that's going to apply with the Thunder in the same way as it did back when the season was going on. But um, I'll just kind of resign resign myself to the fact that Chris Paul is a great leader. Um, this team plays well with each other. That's going to mean something. How much playoff success does that equate to? Unfortunately, I'm also going to resign to the fact that I really can't make an informed decision until we watch these teams play again. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but exciting because it's going to be, be awesome. I know. Give a couple players a GoPro and have them on the golf course. I think even just watching that, ESPN has so many new ideas that they could do. Put GoPros on some of the rides to Disney World. Just make it private only a couple players go out there i think the segments could be amazing who needs halftime entertainment when you have that i know and even a lot of the teams that aren't going to go i mean just why don't you just send them to orlando anyway and just have put trey young out there why not just have them do something (laughs) and what are they gonna do i mean trey young's playing in the skins league it's like a local uh like exhibition tournament style basketball he played in it last year he just played in it last night had like 43 points and uh, Darius Baisley played on Monday because I guess the Thunder were napping and they didn't catch it because Terrence Ferguson tried to sign up for it for the following night and then he had to announce like oh I can't do that I'm contractually obligated to 
not play anywhere else in organized basketball while the season's going on. So, uh, yeah, just get them all down there. Let's, let's have some fun with this. Yeah, I agree. Brady, it's been awesome having you on, man. Thank you so much. Uh, we hope to have you on again soon. Of course. Anytime, guys. Um, it's going to be nothing but time for the next month or so. <laughs> like, you got to think about it this way. Once the season starts up again, we're basically going to have basketball until the end of the following season because the draft, then free agency starts, and then the season is going to start, like, what, two weeks later? And then it's just going to keep going. It's it's going to be fun if you love basketball. Yeah, it's hot. it's definitely fast-paced compared to a regular offseason. I'm excited for it. Me too. And it, I was just thinking, just imagine you're an NBA rookie, like first-round pick, all this is expected of you. And you're like, okay, you have two weeks to learn the system. Go out there and do it. <laughs> By the way, if you don't, we're trading you. Yikes. <laughs> a big yikes for me. Some agents are going to be kind of pissed off probably, but you know what? This isn't fair for anybody. It's Everyone's going to have to learn on the fly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Brady, thanks so much. Of course, guys. Thank you so much. And that was Brady Trantham from the franchise Oklahoma for you guys, given his insight on the Thunder, which I definitely love because I agree with you, Calvin, like you were saying earlier. OKC, they could be a sleeper. Who who really knows? I mean, no team actually has true momentum playing in a gym in, in, in Orlando. I don't know, but... Definitely love what he had to say. I hope you guys did enjoy it too. Check out our website, threebrosports.com. We got articles pumping out left and right. Uh, Brett has something in the works right now for you guys. I know Calvin's got something. I'm working on a few things myself, getting more into the fantasy football realm as I'm starting to do a few mock drafts myself, kind of getting myself in the zone because I like to call myself the Andy Reid of fantasy football. Only have won one championship, but my regular season record, don't let it fool you. I'm a good 58 and probably like 14. I think that's what it was when I last did the math. I always get a bye week, but I can't get past the second round of the playoffs. Oh, what do you know? But anyways, guys, I hope you guys did enjoy today's podcast. I know we've had a lot going on throughout this nation. I I hope maybe listening to some NBA takes, MLB takes, or just us trashing the MLB once again, maybe get a smile on your face throughout these times. Uh, that's always the goal for you guys to keep on enjoying. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. Have a good one. Three Bro Sports would like to thank Anchor FM for sponsoring this podcast and Benjamin Tissot on bensound.com for the amazing intro, outro music. Shut up and sit down.